Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info capitalchurch.co. Good morning, Capital Church. My name is Mark Francie. I am honored to be with you guys on this awesome Sunday. I uh, wish I was there physically in person, but right now as we speak, I am standing in our facility as we are 93 weeks old as a church called Oceans Church. We were sent out of Capital Church in May of 2018 and about a year, just over a year and a half of this journey in, and I want to say it is an honor and a privilege to be able today to uh, be able to be a guest today from California, speaking here in San Juan Capistrano in South Orange County, and to be able to bring God's word to you in, in Boise, Idaho. Such a privilege, such an honor. For those of you who don't know, I actually married Pastor Ken and Connie's uh, oldest daughter, Rochelle, and uh, I took her off the market in 2005. I moved to Idaho in 2002 from Southern California. And after 17 years of living in the great state of Idaho, God would bring us back here. But I am eternally, come on, like I'm like the little animals from Toy Story. You save my life. I am eternally grateful uh, for all that capital has meant to me, to our family. And as I stand in our building today, out of six people that are in our auditorium that's empty pretty much, five of them are from Capital Church. And uh, we're changing, we're, we're doing our best to make a difference in Orange County because of your impact, Capital Church, and because of the good, the good water that's in that church. So I want to say a big thank you for who you are and uh, letting me come today, Pastor Chris, Pastor Kelly, my brother, my sister-in-law, whom I love so much. I love them and their 17 kids. I love all of them. And uh, I'm so honored to be with you guys this morning and uh, just love. I can't extend how much uh, Rochelle and I miss you guys. We love you guys. And please come visit us when you take your California uh, vacations after uh, the book Revelation season is completed uh, in 2020. Please come visit us. But today, uh, without further ado, if you're brand new to church, I'm going to open up the Bible. Uh, every week at Capital Church, like Ocean's Church, we, we open up the Word of God. We believe that God can speak through a spouse. He can speak through some person you meet on the sidewalk. Uh, but we do believe that God's favorite, most uh, predominant way of speaking to his children is through his word. So today I'm going to open up the Bible if you're new to church. And uh, if you had a bad experience with Christianity or with churches, I just want you to know, stay tuned in. I believe that uh, I believe that God is good at redeeming even broken experiences and memories from yesterday. And I'd like to apologize. If you had a bad experience with a church, with a pastor, with a Christian, if you've met a weird Christian, I'm sorry. Uh, if you haven't met a weird Christian probably you. And so uh, I just want to encourage you today, if you if you have had something negative happen, I do believe that today could be a positive experience. I believe that some of you watching today, even in your living room, in your pajamas, I believe that God is not only going to encourage you through this next 25, 30 minutes, but I believe that some of you are physically going to be healed. I believe many of you are going to be spiritually re rejuvenated and that today would be a day that God would give strength to his people. And so if you're new today with us, uh, welcome. Again, my name is Mark Francie and we pastor Oceans Church in South Orange County, California. And today I want to open up uh, our Bibles to the book of Acts and uh, the book of Acts is in the Bible. It's some call it the Acts of the Apostles, others call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. In any case, maybe one of the most important books in the Bible 
Uh, scholars say that because we would have no idea what Christianity looked like after the resurrection of Jesus if it wasn't for Dr. Luke documenting what the heck Christianity looked like after the resurrection. And so we basically had this journey from basically the corner of Palestine all the way to Rome in front of Caesar in about 30 years. And when Jesus comes on the scene in Acts chapter one and says, hey, you're gonna be my witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, it started and it's documented in the book of Acts. And so a uh, really cool uh, story I wanna read with you today. Uh, out of Acts chapter eight, it's about a, uh, a, a great evangelist by the name of Philip. And it's about an African man who was a eunuch for the queen uh, called Candace. Candace wasn't her name. Uh, Candace was actually the name of all queens at that time. Um, and so uh, she was a queen there and he was actually one of her uh, chief executive kind of CFO, oversaw the treasury for the nation of uh, Ethiopia. And so I'm gonna read today out of the Bible, Acts chapter eight. I think I'm gonna read about uh, 12 verses. If you're brand new to church, everything I teach on will be connected to these 12 verses. And uh, I'm gonna read those 12 verses, I'm gonna pray. And then I'm gonna actually tell a couple stories. If you laugh, I'll call them a joke. If you don't laugh, I call you a bad audience. Uh, kidding, but we are going to have a good time this morning, and I do believe that God is going to speak and encourage uh, in light of all that's happening in our world. Uh, I don't know if you've caught me this lately, but the world is in kind of an interesting predicament right now. Uh, many of you would know by just being alive and sucking oxygen that we're living in some challenging days, some trying days, some divisive days, and I think that many times uh, what th the greatest thing that God can give us is positive change. And I wanna to talk to you today on the idea of change. I wanna share biblical, biblical secrets to change. And the title of my talk this morning is Secrets to Change. And when I say change, I'm not talking about political change or, or, or uh, economic change. I'm talking about biblical Christian change. And I, do, I actually believe that as a believer, a follower of Jesus now for almost uh, 18 years, 19 years, that I've seen God change things inside of me. And I've seen God change cities, regions, football teams like Boise State. God is a God that specializes in bringing good change. And so today's gonna be a fun day. If you have your Bible, go with me to Acts chapter eight. I'm gonna begin reading in verse 26. It says, now the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Who are we talking about? Philip. If you're watching right now on the thread, why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you type in the thread right now on Facebook? Uh, or if you're watching on the website, why don't you do me a favor? Type out where you're watching from. Maybe you're watching Meridian. I used to live in Eagle. I miss my Eagle house. I want my Eagle house and I want it in California, but I want it with the Idaho price tag. And uh, if you're watching right now, uh, write down where you're watching from. It says this though, that the angel spoke to Philip saying, arise and go, arise and go towards the south of the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. And he arose and he went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, uh, Ethiopian eunuch of great authority under Candace the queen of Ethiopians, who had charge over all of her treasury. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. He came to Jerusalem to worship. This is a pretty serious endeavor. It's about a 200 mile trip from where he started to Jerusalem. So he comes to worship and returning, he was sitting in his chariot and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near, overtake his chariot. So Philip ran to him, he heard him reading Isaiah and he said, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch said, how in the world can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up, sit with him. The place of the scripture where he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. 
And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I will ask you, of whom is this prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself? Or is he talking about somebody else? And I love this. Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture that was just read out of Isaiah 53, it says he started right there, which is what great leaders and great pastors do, is they start with someone's understanding where, they, where they're at. And starting there, he preached Jesus to him. He didn't preach CNN or Fox News. He didn't preach Tucker or uh, Anderson Cooper. Starting right there, he preached Jesus to him from that, from that scripture. And it goes on, and it says this. Uh, and, and so they, they continue. Now they went down the road, and as they got to some water, the eunuch said to him, here's some water. What hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, let's do it. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went out down into the water, and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went his way rejoicing. Say it with me, rejoicing. If you write it down in your thread, rejoicing. I believe that true encounters with people are uh, individuals that know Jesus, that are sharing the truth, or if you have an encounter with Jesus yourself, you will always leave those environments, those atmospheres, not depressed, not discouraged, but like this eunuch, rejoicing. Let's pray this morning. I want to talk to you today about secrets to change. God, I just thank you that, Lord, even in this hour that we're living in, God, it's a wild season of time. 2020 has been an a, a, a up and down, a, a roller coaster type of year. But I just thank you for the promise you've given us in Romans 8, 28, that you are the God that causes all things to work together for good. We ask you that this would be a year that would be true of that statement. I ask you that, Lord, you would meet us where we are, whether we're first time right now on this, on this online video. Our God, we watch every week. Uh, I pray that you would speak to us, meet us where we are, lead us into where you want us to be. I pray even as we share this thread right now that we'd have friends and family that would listen to it and be impacted by your love in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, man, I miss you guys so much. Uh, for many of you that don't know, I was the youth and young adult pastor at Capitol Church uh, for about 16 centuries. And uh, my wife and I, again, we moved two years ago down to California to start Oceans Church. And uh, I feel like I'm a byproduct. Uh, Capitol Church started in 1983. That was the year that I was born. And I actually gave my life to Jesus in the year 2000 at a summer camp in McCall, Idaho at uh, Camp Bethel up there next to the storage containers in the great city of McCall. And uh, I'll never forget that moment. And so I feel like I've only known one church. Everyone that I talk to in California, they say, man, how many churches have you been to? I said, I went to one church my entire life and I'm pastoring the second church I've ever been a part of. And so I feel like if Capital Church could have a baby, uh, I'm the same age as it. I, I was saved in it. I was baptized in it. I was discipled in that church. I was released to leadership in that church. I was anointed, ordained, all the above in that church. And I'm a byproduct of the water that's in that house. And so I'm so grateful for it. Uh, but I want you to know, I, I think that right now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look around and go, man, there's some wild stuff happening in the world right now. I saw a funny meme. I think that's probably the best part of 2020 is the memes that have been produced this year. Uh, it's been a very strong meme year. And uh, one of the memes I saw was a lady outside rubbing her eyes and, and the memes read something along the lines of what chapter out of the book of Revelations are we gonna wake up to today? And it's so true that every day there's something crazy and something wild going on in the world. And 
What I'd like to turn your attention to is that even though the world is changing right now at, at, at kind of breakneck speeds, I do believe that we live in a world that's, un, that's not different necessarily than the world that the, that the ancient, uh, ancient authors and disciples and apostles grew up in. See, back in Bible days in the world of antiquity, there was still racial uh, divides. There were still people, uh, ethnic, economic divides. You had the Romans. You had, the, you, had, you had not only the Roman population, the Jewish population. You had, you had those that believed, those that didn't believe. And I love the idea that even in, the, in the, bibl- the biblical context, God was so good at reconciling different people groups together. And I love this story about two individuals, Philip and a eunuch. Now, this is what I want to bring our attention to today is that change is essentially, change, the idea of change is found in something, uh, I wrote it down here so I wouldn't forget it, but it's actually found, um, it means to make or become different. Make or become different. Change, to make or become different. I believe that Jesus offers a change that quite frankly is not, is not available anywhere else on the earth. He has the ability to change or make things different in a way that no one else on the earth can offer. And I love this story out of Acts chapter uh, Acts chapter 8 that we read, because basically this one conversation between two individuals had, had ramifications that would go on to actually impact not millions of people, but actually over, uh, over 1.2. Right now, the continent of Africa has over 1.2, 1.3 billion people. They say today that there's likely around, they, they guesstimate, about 600 plus million people have some sort of faith in Jesus And all the scholars and all the biblical historians tie back the lineage of Africa being opened up to Jesus because of the conversation of one guy named Philip and one guy who was an Ethiopian eunuch that we read about in Acts chapter 8. That one conversation with two people had the power to change an entire continent. I am convinced the older that I get that oftentimes we look for big glamorous opportunities to make big glamorous differences, but I am convinced that God is the God that uses the small mustard seeds of the world, that he is the God that uses the small insignificant things. He talks about the little bit of leaven that has the power to change the entire lump. I'm telling you, that's the, that's the message that we preach. That's the gospel that we proclaim. And today, if you're watching, I want you to know that God can change in large ways using the small, seemingly insignificant things like a 25-minute message on Facebook Live. God specializes in doing large things with small things. And uh, I love this today. As we look at this, there is pretty much six catalysts to change. And I want to talk to you about that today. Six catalysts to change. And uh, I don't know if you've been there before, but I thought about, thought about things that kind of make you frustrated, things that I don't know if you've ever been on a road trip before, and uh, if you've ever encountered a driver who does not believe in cruise control. And essentially, you're on the same road for 400 miles, and someone that continues to pass you, and you pass them, and they pass you, and you pass them, and eventually, you understand what road rage is all about. I'm telling you, there's some things that need to change. There's people that don't understand that you're supposed to go slow in the right-hand lane. That's the slow lane, not the fast lane, the slow lane. In my neighborhood in California, I have two roundabouts, and I am the only person in the neighborhood of 3,000 houses that understands how to use the roundabouts. There is a yield, there's a stop, there's a go. You gotta understand the systems. There's things that need to change. I have two little girls. My Chloe is five, my Kenzie is 12, and my wife is forever 21. Come on, somebody. 
And I'll tell you this right now, growing up with three women in the house, it's like an estrogen farm. My heart goes out to Michael Borner, who's watching this right now. I understand more now than ever. I love my girls. I'm grateful for my girls, but my goodness, Lord have mercy. There are moments I come home some days and, and one of the girls is crying on the couch and she's like, she's like, they, they, the girls, they, they slammed the door on me and they called me a stupid head and they said I couldn't play and be a part of their club. And I started crying on the couch and I'm like, look, Rochelle, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a joke. I'm I've been in environments though that need change and need change. And um, I feel like as a parent, most of what you do is you're trying to lead your children into actually making or becoming different than they currently are. I believe the sixth catalyst to change that we find in Acts chapter eight is first of all, the first, the first catalyst to, to biblical change, significant, long-lasting, long-standing change, change that you desire. It's actually rooted in, and I love that Pastor Chris, he's been teaching on this with his Justice series, is uh, I, I really do believe that the first thing we see in Acts chapter eight is it says that the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, arise, he spoke to him, arise and go. I, I, think, I think that we can't underestimate the power of praying. I think many times right now in the world, we're like, we gotta do more than pray. And I, and I agree, I think that we don't stop with prayer but we certainly don't overlook starting with prayer. And I know the world is like, you know, you look at social media threads and by the way, can we all agree that no one has ever changed their mind in a social media thread? It's like, if you're angry about this, you're gonna stay angry. If you're upset about that, you're gonna stay upset. So why do we waste our time trying to convince people with differing views? Here's what I believe is that prayer is the catalyst to all positive change on the earth. I believe if you show me somewhere that's been revived, something that came back to life that was dead, whether it was a marriage or a business, a family member, someone that was living morally bankrupt or spiritually bankrupt, usually somewhere, somehow, there was someone that was willing to pray. Lately, God's been speaking to this idea that I do believe it this way, uh, he told me it like this, is I think that many times we'd have much more influence and impact on our cities if we would take more time talking to God about our neighbors before we talk to our neighbors about God. I think right now, the problem the Bible talks about in the end days, the love of many will grow cold. I really do believe this, you can write it in your notes today, that you will never influence anything that you don't first love. I believe the reason why the church at many times has lost opportunities to influence is because it's been more passionate about vocalizing something that's not loving than they are about loving that community and then bringing change to it. We can't influence anything that we first do not love. Prayer is what gives you God's heart for other people. Now, I want to remind you a very simple idea, but you know, Luke talks about actually praying for your enemies. I think one of the things that brings change faster than anything else is when you actually say, God, these, these people, they don't vote like me. They don't talk like me. They don't dress like, they don't hang out where I hang out. They don't shop where I shop. They don't go to the, where I go. Listen, the people that look nothing like you, talk nothing like you, actually, listen, the ones that maybe you would actually categorize as someone that I have a hard time with, you'd be shocked that when you begin to talk to God about people that you have a hard time with, people say, Mark, what do you pray for your enemies? I always tell people this, that one of the greatest things you can do for your enemies is pray for them the way that, they would, that you would want them to pray for you. It's amazing if you want a job or a raise or a house or you're believing God for a miracle or for someone to be healed in your family, that when you actually would take the time to pray for someone that you don't naturally like and you would actually go to God on their behalf and say, God, would you please bless them and care for them and, and would you please heal their kid? Would you please touch their marriage? Would you please 
rise their, cause their business to begin to rise up. When you pray for your enemy, it's interesting, maybe God doesn't change the enemy right away, but God always changes you immediately. And when God changes your heart, watch how he starts giving you opportunities to influence the people and the places that you ordinarily wouldn't be able to influence. I believe the first thing that Philip teaches us, again, the first two points are about Philip and the, and the third and fourth points are about the eunuch. Number, number one, it's not only that he start with prayer, is he talked to God about his neighbor before he talked to his neighbor about God. I love the idea that God could have sent the angel directly to the eunuch, but what we know is, is that the greatest news on the earth was never given or entrusted to angels. God entrusted it to human beings. Only humans can actually share the greatest message ever shared. So the first point is we bring change when we start praying for people. Number two, not only do we stop, we don't stop there. The second thing we do is God will actually give you ideas, creativity. I believe God will give you solutions, whether it's in your business, whether it's in your city, whether there's areas right now in your family that are at odds. I, I am a fundamental believer that when you pray, God will give you a, a action item. He'll give you a next step. And you have the choice in that moment when God speaks to you that you actually can obey it or you can actually almost reject it. It's, it's almost like sending, it's like sending something away. It's like, it's like putting that spam email into an inbox. I, I've learned this a long time ago that when you have children, kids' favorite words are, I will do it later. I've learned that our humanity is wired in such a way that when parents, loving, good parents say, Kenzie, clean your room. Kenzie, take out the trash. I, I don't know. Can we be honest as older generation? that there is no excuse for the younger generation to have to stall out being obedient. Can we agree on this? Like, like when I was growing up, I feel sorry, this younger generation does not know the joy of that 90 second adrenaline rush that occurs when you're watching a show on TV and it goes to commercial and you know that you have 90 seconds to hurdle over the couch, use the restroom, throw the popcorn in the microwave and then jump back over the couch with your drink in hand before your show comes back on. That was a valid reason. Can I do it after this show? Nowadays, my daughters ask, can I, can I finish the show before I go to sleep? I'm like, no, you, you can wake up in the morning and hit play at the exact same spot that you left off. You don't have to put a VHS tape in. Rochelle tells me all these stories about recording over Chris basketball games, college basketball games to record her favorite shows. We don't have to record over VHS tapes anymore. You literally hit pause or play. You can fast forward or rewind it is amazing that we are without excuse, but here's what I've learned is that immaturity always wants to do tomorrow what God, God is asking us to do today. That's what immaturity does. It tries to push off tomorrow what God is actually asking us to do today. There's something about little baby steps every day that somehow get us into this great space and place of opportunity as we simply obey God on a daily basis. Remember Mark Thornton saying this all the time, that if God is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And there's something about obeying God that says, God, even though I don't want to, even though I have other ideas, if you said it, he says, arise and go. And Philip got up and he began to go on his way. I believe that change happens when people begin to pray and when people actually go to walk out what God's asking them to do. How about point number three? We see the eunuch come on the scene. He travels 200 miles from his country to Jerusalem. Uh, theologians speculate that he probably wasn't a proselyte because a, a true proselyte would actually get circumcised as a non-Jew and adopt the customs and the habits of the Jewish population. But he was what they call a God-fearer. A God-fearer was someone that actually loved the Jewish 
uh, way. They believed in Yahweh, but they didn't want to fully convert to that lifestyle. But nonetheless, he fears God, travels 200 miles to Jerusalem, and he does, he does this third thing. I believe that change occurs not only when you pray and obey, but we see this eunuch brings about great change because he cultivated an atmosphere in his life of, number three, worship. I believe that he came, watch what it says this in the, in the passage, he came to Jerusalem to worship God. And there's something about worship that actually breaks up the hard places of our hearts. I wanna tell you, like, like if, you, if you worship God, you go to church, and uh, I, I, told, I told Oceans this a couple weeks ago, but if, if you can look back on your life and you haven't had any disagreements with God lately, it could be because you're sitting in his seat. You see, one of the things we know is that when you spend time with God and he becomes the God of your life, there'll be moments that he wants you to be generous, that you want to be stingy. And there's moments that he wants you to be bold when you want to be timid. And there's moments that he wants you to be kind when you want to be angry. And there's moments that he wants you to be loving when you want to be full of hate. And one of the byproducts of actually following Jesus, people say, Mark, I've read the Bible before, but I want you to know that maturity is not gauged on how much of the Bible that you've remembered. Actually, maturity is gauged on how much of the word of God that you actually live out and let him weave in and out of your life on a daily basis. You see, worship is what we do, and it's one of the only things that God cannot do because to worship something is actually to give it credit or esteem beyond where you are. It actually means to elevate it higher than where you are. And that's why God cannot worship because there is nothing higher than he is. God cannot sin, God cannot lie. And guess what? Thirdly, God cannot worship. Why can't he worship? Because he's already the most high. He can't get any higher than he is. And that's why God put us in position when Lucifer fell out of heaven like lightning. God actually instructed and empowered the human race with vocal cords and with string instruments called vocal cords and with hands called percussionary instruments and with wind instruments called lungs. God actually replaced all the instruments that were in Lucifer with a new breed of worshipers called human beings. And that's why when we begin to worship God and say, God, my life stinks right now. These circumstances are stressful, but I still trust and I still believe that you are worthy of my highest adoration. There is something about elevating God that diminishes the worries of our everyday lives. So the eunuch worships, and here's what we know, is that your greatest, sometimes the greatest moments with God in his word are actually right after you worship. Because number, th number, number three is he worshiped, but right after he left Jerusalem worshiping, he got into his chariot, his Escalade, right? And he gets in the back seat, he tells the Uber driver home, and as he does, what happens? He begins to open up the Bible to Isaiah 53, and as he begins to read, he starts wondering and contemplating, is this about, is this about the, the writer or is this about somebody else? And right at that moment, watch what happens here. The perfect storm occurs that you had someone that was praying and obeying, and now you have someone that's worshiping and actually reading God's word. I believe that you can worship all day long, and it's funny. In the church world, it seems like there's two extremes. There's those that are really heavy, and I just want to hear the word, and I want to get a good, solid word. I want to get the meat of God's word. And there's the other camp, it seems like there's in the church world, that just wants to worship for 16 hours. You know you're a worshiper if you own your own banner. Come on, Shane Grove. Uh, you're, you're a worshiper. Like there's people that just love, but there's something powerful about being not only a church that believes in worship, but also believes in the word. There's, I, love, I love both in, in services. When you come to church physically and you actually sing to God, some people say, Mark, I like to show up after the music because I like the word. I'm not really interested in the music part. I'm not a singer or a musician. I like the word. But I wanna, I wanna remind you, if that's you, 
the, the music part of the service is the part that belongs to God. You see, we give God our worship and then the message part of the service is actually for us. And to actually be a Christian that only takes from God but never gives to God, eventually you actually become ingrown and actually unhealthy. So I believe that giving to God worship is what actually prepares your heart to actually receive his voice, his instructions, and his guidance in your life. That's why it's so important. I'm telling you, man, something powerful about getting the right music on your stereo in your car, creating an environment. Even if you have a bad voice, come on, you got a good God. And I'm not ashamed to lift my bad, squeaky, uh, tone-deaf voice to God because I have a good, good God that's worthy of my highest esteem. And so what worship does is it prepares you for his work. And I love it. He's reading Isaiah 53. Philip comes on the scene. The, the, the fourth ingredient to change is he's reading God's word. And here's what we know. And this is where most people in America, I think in the church today in the Western world, is they don't realize this, is the fifth thing that happened was, is Philip, after worshiping and after reading the word, he actually begins to share the good news. Starting with this verse, that, that Isaiah 53 passage, Philip began to talk to about who Jesus was. Now, here's what we know. People say the good news. If you've been in the church world, forgive me if you're not, but if you're in the church world, we use, we use uh, cliches like I'm saved. Like I've been saved for 15 years, praise the Lord. We start speaking in the Queen's English and we start speaking the language of Zion and we don't realize that like we're saying things that we don't even understand what they mean anymore. What are you saved from? I believe that Philip got in that chariot and he explained to him, look, you know what the good news is? You know what's better than any political good news? You know what's better than any economic good news? The greatest news on the earth is really, it's wrapped up in four simple ideas. Is number, letter A, I'll use letters so I don't screw up your notes for all you OCD people out there. But the first letter is, I believe that, that Jesus came and the good news of Jesus, Mr. Eunuch, sir, is that Jesus died on the cross. He's speaking of Jesus, that he was A, he was he was the propitiation for our, letter A, let's just keep it easy. He deals with our sin. And I think we live in an age today that we totally have forgotten that one of the greatest things that Jesus offers humanity and the world is he is a God that has the power to deal with nobody else can deal with. He has the power to deal with our mistakes. Mr. Eunuch, I, I don't know what, you deal, what you're dealing with. I don't know what guilt you're carrying. I don't know what skeletons are in your closet, but I got news for you that Jesus went to the cross so you don't have to die with the baggage that's in your closet. Come on, closets are, closets are for clothes and for vacuum cleaners, not your dark secrets, not your moments of low, low despair, not your depression, your discouragement, your anxiety, or your fear. I got news for you that Jesus came as the Lamb of God to A, deal with our sin. And Mr. Unixer, I want to tell you that not only does the good news deal with your sin, Jesus came to deal with sin. How about he, he also came to deal with uh, B, he came to deal with Satan. There is a real devil, and I know we live in a very educated world. I live in a very educated city. And I know sometimes we, under, under, we, we say funny things like, yeah, I believe in heaven, but I don't really believe in hell. You really believe in a devil? How shallow, how simple is that? But I want you to know to acknowledge God is, is you have no option to not acknowledge a, where if there's evil in the world, there has to be good. If there's good in the world, there's also evil. And if there is more, a moral guideline that's been in humanity since the beginning of time, and some people say, Mark, there is no God. And it, but if there is no God, why is it that all of us agree that murder is bad? 
Why do we all agree that trafficking human beings is awful, that slavery is wrong, that, that, that rape and all these, why do we all agree without any type of, of theological framework that as human beings, we know certain things are fundamentally wrong? If we were some cosmic accident and there was no programmer and there was no designer that made us this way, why would we have morality at all? You see, the sheer, the sheer fact that you know right and wrong, it reveals that courage, bravery, integrity has always been valued since the early origins of humanity, that God wired us this way. And so I know this is that we know that Jesus came not only to deal with sin, but he came to actually defang the 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 Satan, as Pastor Christ always says, that God came to deal with Satan. Number no, number B, or letter B, number B, <laughs> I was good at math, uh, like trigonometry right now, uh, is that God not only dealt with sin, he dealt with Satan. How about number letter B, or letter C, man, I'm, I'm struggling here, is he actually dealt with death. We know in Revelations that, that everyone, all of us, last time I checked, morality, the mortality, excuse me, mortality rate hovers right around 100% on the earth. And one of the things that Jesus promises us, the good news, is that not only can I pay for your mistakes, for your sins, not only can I, can I dethrone that demonic, satanic force that's in, at work in the world in your life, I can give you freedom from addictions and freedom from bondage. How about this? I can also, I can also deal with this idea that you will not die two times. You'll experience one death, and when you die on this earth, you will open up your eyes on the streets of gold that are translucent gold, where there is no electricity, for God himself is the sunshine of eternity. This new holy city that actually is the size of probably, you know, heaven itself, the city, the holy city that they talk about in the Revelations is like, 15 or 1600 miles wide by 1600 miles tall. And again, we can't even wrap our minds around it. But what we know is, is that God promises in the good news that Jesus came to deal with sin, Satan, death. And how about the last one? He came to deal with hell itself. People say, Mark, if God was so good, why in the world would he allow people to go to hell? I want you to know that God did not design hell for, human, for humanity. Hell was never a destination for humans. It was a place that God reserved and created for the devil and for the demons that fell, the one-third of the stars that fell with Lucifer. Hell was never designed for a human being. And that's why over and over again, it says that God's desire is that all men be saved, that all men come to the knowledge of the truth. So the good news, come on, let's remind everyone. What are you saved from? I am saved from sin. I am saved from death. I am saved from hell. I am saved from that satanic power that's at work in the world. And guess what? The good news is this, is that I am forgiven. Say it with me, forgiven. Come on, write it in your thread right now. I am forgiven. Mr. Eunuch, sir, you are forgiven. Not only are you forgiven, you are, how about this, redeemed. That's what it means to be a byproduct, to receive the good news is I am forgiven. My life has been redeemed. And how about this is I've been justified. It's a church word. What does justified mean? You'll never forget this. Justified means this, just as if I'd never sinned. God on the cross 2,000 years ago paid for our penalties. And now today when we come to him, it's just as if I'd never sinned. So you have, you have this justification. And lastly, we have this another church word called sanctification, which basically means that the grace of God is more than just making us grateful. It's actually making us godly. You see, the true message of Jesus Christ, it doesn't just, it doesn't just stimulate your imagination and go, man, God is so good. It does that, but it takes you further than that. It actually gives you the desire to want to live your life and become like him. The truth is you're not on the earth to make 
to make conservatives of all nations, to make, to make liberals of all nations. You're not on the earth to make economists of all nations. Your job, my job on earth is to make disciples of all nations, following, believing, and prescribing that this is the God that saves us from sin, Satan, hell, and the grave. So watch this now. So there's news that's announced to the eunuch. And the last thing is I love is it comes on the scene here and I'll get ready to wrap this up is it says that there's action. There's action. I love it because the eunuch, after he hears good news, and can I just qualify by saying this? If you ever hear a message uh, about Jesus or about the Bible that doesn't lead you to want to take action, you might not be listening to the gospel because there's something about hearing God's word that goes, man, you know, I need to, I need to reach out to this person. I need to call. I need to forgive that person. I need to, I need to send a nice, I need to give some money to that. There's something about hearing the good news that incites action in all of us. I think the problem today is, is that the world values action the same way. And, and, and for some reason right now, it's almost like it's, it's so sad, but it's like people are trying to push their perspective on other people, essentially saying, if you don't take the same action that I'm taking, you're basically, you're evil. And if you're not acting the way that I want you to act, then you're basically, you're out. And the world is trying to pit two people groups against each other. And I want you to know that Jesus does not pit anybody and whenever you're in a, you, you have a belief in God that actually excludes people groups, whenever you believe a gospel that makes it easy to hate somebody else, you have no longer, you have no longer, uh, you have severed your ties to the gospel of the Bible. The gospel of the Bible does not alienate people. It actually includes people. It actually gives you ability to love people that you normally wouldn't like. And that's what I love about Jesus is he comes on the scene and this eunuch says, hey, there's some water right there. I've heard that I'm forgiven. I've heard that my sins have been paid for. I, I've, I, man, I've, I've heard about just as if I hadn't made a mistake. So what do I do now? What can I do next? Can I be baptized? And I love it that Philip didn't say, you have to go through all of our growth track. You have to take 16 courses on the Bible. You have to go to cemetery or seminary. You don't have to, you, you, he didn't say it's going to three year long mission. He said, if you believe that Jesus is the son of God, We'll, we'll jump in that water right now together. And I love that it's so simple. It wasn't complicated. It wasn't overthought. Is this eunuch on that particular day knew that, man, because of this environment, and again, I want to remind everybody, change occurred for the eunuch because you had a disciple that was praying and obeying. And you had this eunuch that was willing to actually worship and read the Bible. And because of that, there was a conversation about the good news that led to action. That action led him to get baptized that day. Listen to me. And when he was baptized, he came out of the waters. Something was new on the inside of him. Because here's the deal. Christianity is not like other world religions that try to conform you, pushing your actions to your insides. It has the only ability on the planet to actually have a news and a presence of God that comes on the inner core of who you are, and it pushes out the opposite way. You see, if we ever try to fix the problems of the world, change, changing the world from the outside to the inside is impossible. The only way to properly effectively change the world is by allowing Jesus to be the center point, the center focal, the center focal point of all the frame. And if we can keep him at center focal frame, it brings everything, it pushes everything into rights. And so today I wanna pray that if you're desiring to be a part of the change in the world that's so needed, or maybe today you're like, Mark, being honest, there's so many things that are off, off track, off, off kilter. There's things that need to be recalibrated in my mind, in my marriage, in my business, in my family. 
There's so much anger inside of me. There's so much, uh, just so much confusion or fear. I want to encourage you today that we serve a God that can bring change. He has the power, listen to me, he has the power to actually in, 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 put a desire and a fuel inside of humanity to say, you know what I want to do? I want to start praying about some things that I haven't prayed about before. I want to start obeying God because the truth is you can actually, uh, you can ignore his voice, but the issue is if you don't, if you don't follow what Jesus is leading you into, you'll stay in the same wilderness for 40 years when God desired to only be in that, that wilderness for 12 days. Many times, it's like your GPS on your phone. God doesn't give the next instruction until you followed the last one. And if you do disobey, what happens is the grace of God comes on the intercom and it says rerouting, rerouting. Instead of taking a left, now you have to take a right and a left. But the good news is God will always get you if you'll pray and you'll obey. I wanna pray for you right now as we close. And I wanna ask you today, just real simply to say this question. Say, God, what are you saying to me? through this message, what are the areas that you're putting your finger on right now in my mind and in my heart that I can be aware of? I love this because, you know, the world says big things only happen during big events. But I love this. I read this, uh, read this recently. Small acts done, uh, small acts done through the power of God's spirit has disproportionate effects on the kingdom. Why, once, one really brilliant guy said this, why is small so big? Small does not cost a lot, he said. Small is easy to produce. Small is more easily changed and exchanged. Small is mobile. Small is not only mobile, it's harder to stop. Small is intimate, it's simple, it infiltrates easier. It's something that people think they can do. Small is something that's bite-sized. Big doesn't do any of these things, only small can. We can change the world faster through stewarding the small opportunities to pray, by stewarding the opportunities to obey. We can change the world faster through, through, through small opportunities of worship or through reading or through declaring good news, sharing good news or taking small action steps. People are looking for large things to change the large world. And I wanna tell you today, Boise, Meridian, Cuna. Come on, if you're from California, it's not Cuna, it's Cuna. I'm telling you that the Treasure Valley begins to change as people realize that it's, it's me following Jesus in my small sphere that has this compound interest effect to begin to change layer after layer after layer of cities beyond the world. And so I wanna pray for you today that God, what are you asking me to step up into? Some of you have been praying, but some of you haven't done what God told you to do. And I want to just put my finger on that today and just go, hey, is there something that God's already told you that you haven't stepped out in yet? No condemnation, no shame, but come on, this is the day. This is the Sunday that I'm going to take that step of faith and say, I'm going to obey what the last thing God told me to do was. Maybe you've been, maybe you've been obeying God, but maybe you're here today and you're watching and you're like, you know what? I've never really developed a lifestyle of actually turning on music that honors God maybe even giving God financially, there's something about worship that readies your heart to bring the Bible to life. And maybe you've been worshiping, but you haven't been reading your Bible. Maybe you own that, come on, Shane, put that banner away. And come on, let's get that Bible out today. I'm just kidding. But I, I wanna encourage you that not only are we gonna read, but our worship, we wanna read. And then when we read, I, just, I think that it's so, it's so important. People wanna give their lives to a cause. And I wanna remind you, church, that the only cause that's eternal is the gospel of Jesus that is the only thing that lasts forever. 
We will forget who wins elections. We'll forget who the mayors and the governors were. We will, listen, 10,000 years from now, we will not be talking about any of the current events that are happening today. But I do promise you this, that we will continue to want to worship. We'll continue to want to read. We'll learn about God. And I, I promise you, we'll all be reflecting on the good news of what Jesus did. So today, what is the area, lastly, that we can take action in? So if I can pray for you today, if you're on, if you're on right now, would you do me a favor? You say, Mark, I feel like one of these areas, God's been challenging me. He's, he's lovingly causing me to step up in. Would you do me a favor right now? Would you just say, that's me? Maybe, maybe write down, I mean, the points are right there. So it's, you want to step up in praying? Well, just write one. I want to, I want to take my prayer life to a higher place. Just write, write the number one right now in, in that little thread. Or maybe you're watching, you're like, I just feel like God's already told me some stuff. I haven't done it yet. But I want to, I want to make a decision today to start, to start taking action and obeying God's voice. Write down number two for me. Or maybe you're, maybe right now where you're at, you're like, man, I've never even tried singing to God. I don't like, like singing, but I want to start creating an atmosphere that honors him. Write three down for me. Or maybe you're like, I haven't read my Bible at all. I thought that that's what pastors were for. I want you to know that Jesus died on the cross to give full custody to all of his kids. He has not reserved his presence only for a few spiritual people. All of us can know his voice as we read the Bible. So maybe you, I want to read my Bible more. I want you to write number four. And number five, if you're like, you know, I feel like I've, I, I've never really shared my story. I've been sharing my po political view lately. I've been sharing my, my view on vaccinations. I've been sharing my view on all these other topics that everyone's talking about right now. But you've never shared what God has done in your life. And again, I want to remind you that these are a lot of important things in the world. But the most important thing that we can focus on is the faith that God gives us in himself. So if you want to start sharing more of the good news, I want you to write down number five. And finally, if you want to take action today, maybe it's not big action, maybe it's a little action, but you want to start taking action today, write down number six. Finally, with that, I'm going to pray for you. And the last thing I want to do is we pray. I'm going to pray for those items, but uh, I'm going to ask you today in just about 30 seconds, if you don't know Jesus in a personal way, but you want to, Maybe your heart's starting to speed up. You feel like this whole message, I've been like talking to you. I have been staring at the camera, but I know that God is looking at some of you right now. And you know that your heart's starting to speed up. You're like, man, I'm, I'm not living with God or for God, but I want to. I want to, see, I want to see a continent changed through my obedience, through my relationship with God. That's you today. I want to, I want to pray for you in just a moment as well. But let me pray first for that, for that group. Lord, I just ask you right now in Jesus' name that God, there's people right now that go, you know what? I want to start spending more time connecting and communing with God. I pray for a new appetite to pray. We know that God, when we cease to pray, that coincidences cease to exist. So I pray for a new passion, a new, a new desire to spend time with God. I pray that not only will we pray, but I even ask for those that Lord desire to, just to follow through with what you've already said. I pray that you put a new determination that we're going to obey the voice of God. I'm asking Lord for those that have never tried worshiping you. This will be a week. Let's turn some music on, begin to elevate their voice, maybe even lift their hands as they sing to you that God worship would begin to change the soil of their heart. And as they read their Bibles, I pray they begin to, you begin to speak to them clearly. I pray for some, I think if you read three and a half chapters a day, you'll read through the Bible in one year. You read seven chapters a day, you'll read through the Bible in two years. You read 14 chapters a day, you'll read through the Bible every quarter. And I ask you today, Lord, for people that maybe have never read the Bible, give them an appetite. Even as Pastor Chris prayed for me when I was 19 years old, and he said, Mark, you're going to have an, a, 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 he used the word voracious, which I know is his word because I, I didn't know that word before. He said, you're going to have a voracious appetite for the Bible. And I pray today that people watching would have a newfound voracious appetite for the word of God. That's where change comes. 
And I thank you that, Lord, after that, Lord, they begin to share what they read and they begin to take action in Jesus' name. Now I want to pray for everyone. You say, Mark, I'm not living for God. I'm not living with God. Maybe you used to know God, but you got off track somewhere. Maybe it was in college or maybe it was during the divorce or maybe, maybe your parents know God, but you, you've never really made a personal decision yourself. If you walked away and you want to come back to God today, you want to get right with God, come on. There was ever a time in history to make sure you're living right with Jesus. It's now. Every day is a new chapter out of Revelation. So today, if you want to get right with God, you've been off track, you want to get back on, or maybe you've never known Jesus Maybe one of your friends shared this Facebook Live and you've been watching it. You, you've tried to turn it off, but you can't turn it off. Something's speaking to you. You might even find yourself right now in a really discouraging moment. I feel like someone watching right now, you might even be suicidal. I remember years ago, I, I pointed at a camera in, the, in GCD and I remember saying, someone's suicidal right now. And that girl ended up coming to our church the next week. She said that when you pointed it and you said that someone's suicidal, that was me. I was, I was contemplating taking my life. She ended up coming the next week, gave her life to the Lord. She did our internship. And I want you to know, someone's watching right now in a dark place, and God's light's getting ready to shine into your house, shine into your life. So right now, can we pray like this? If you either rededicate your life or for the first time put your faith in Jesus, I just want you to do one of two things. I want you to write the word heart, H-E-A-R-T, or in the day we live in, I want you to do me a heart emoji. Put the heart emoji right now on Facebook, on our website, YouTube, live, whatever you're watching on. I'm talking to you right now. Don't miss this moment. If you need to rededicate your life, or for the first time, put your faith in Jesus. Do me a favor right now. Would you just write the word heart? And I believe that God is going to meet you where you're at. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. So go ahead. Don't, don't wait for somebody else. There's, I know there's several people writing this. Write heart, heart, heart. Come on right now. Don't Come on right now, Facebook. Come on, do it right now. Some of you are going to be physically healed, I believe, even as you respond to God. So let's pray together. Lord, I just pray for all those that are writing heart. Come on, don't be scared. Right now, Holy Spirit, give them courage to write that out. I think as they take a stand for you, that God, you would stand for them. Be strong in them and pray this prayer with me. Say, in Jesus' name, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Forgive me, heal me, liberate me, and lead me from this day forward. My heart and my life is yours in Jesus' name. I pray healing in anyone that needs healing right now. I pray that you would deliver the addict and give hope to the hopeless. I pray that today would be a new beginning for everyone watching. I thank you that change is coming, and I thank you that it's starting with your people right now that are here. In Jesus' name, I ask and I pray. Amen. I love you so much, Capital. Mom, Dad, Chris Kelly, Tracy, Garrison, love all of you guys. I look forward to seeing you guys soon. Have a great week. God bless you.